You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. We're going through a series called 10, Perfect Law and Perfect Love. This is actually a word study on the Ten Commandments that was given to the people of Israel. You all know this. You're all familiar with the Ten Commandments. You know, growing up, I, I remember watching um, Charlton Heston. Yeah, well, I don't know if you know them. But yeah, well, if you know them, then praise God you're with my generation. We used to watch this and, you know, the two tablets, actually our iPads were, you know, the tablets that we have right now were actually, you know, that's the original tablets we have, the two commandments. You, you, know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Okay. So it's perfect law and perfect love. This is a, a study on the Ten Commandments. Now let me just give you the purposes of these commandments. First of all, God gave the law as the moral standard of living. Without any standard, guess what will happen? There's going to be anarchy. You don't have a standard, it's going to be chaotic. Okay, so the purpose of the law or the Ten Commandments was really to have a moral standard. Nothing more, nothing less, but let us see. In the second purpose is that God gave the law to restrain human evil. Because we all know that all men are sinners, right? You're not agreeing, right? We're all sinners, right? Okay, same crowd, okay. We're all sinners. That's why left to ourselves, you know, with no rules or regulation, we might hurt each other. Thirdly, it is to show man's awful sinfulness in his moral distance from God. We don't see the gravity, the, the, the gravity of our sin. And the Ten Commandments exposes the gravity of our sin. Lastly, God gave the law for man to see his need for a Savior. In other words, everything about the Ten Commandments would point us to our Savior, Jesus Christ. In fact, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 24, therefore the law has become our tutor. Okay? In our ESV version, guardian. King James, schoolmaster. To what? To lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. That's the purpose of the Ten Commandments. So perfect law, perfect love. In other words... God's perfect law will lead us to God's perfect love in Jesus Christ. Now, just to recap, our first commandment is what? No other gods, only the Lord. Amen? All right. Can you say that with me? No other gods, only the Lord. Praise God. All right. Second commandment is this. Do not make or worship idols. We had this in our second week. Our third week, we talked about uh, do not misuse God's name. We also discussed or preached on remember to keep what? The day of rest, Sabbath. Everybody say Sabbath. I hope after that message you are taking rest. Okay? If you don't rest, I began to Pastor Ariel, you know, you will ined- inevitably rest. Rest because you're super tired or rest in peace. So you don't want to do that. Okay? And then last week we've talked about honoring our parents. How many of you honored your dads last week? Yes, thank you, a few of you. Thank you for honoring your dads. But today, we will discuss about the sixth commandment, which is very simple. Do not murder, okay? Now, we have a, you know, I'd like everybody to stand up. We're going to read the Word of God. And I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 20. If you have your Bibles with you, if you don't have, then I can just uh, let you read with me. In fact, it's the longest verse I've ever read while preaching. Okay, let's do this. In verse 13, 
Everybody say, one, two, three. You shall not murder. Let's bow down our heads and pray. Father, thank you, Lord God, that your spirit is with us. Lord, thank you, God, that uh, you will open our spiritual eyes. May we have also an open heart to receive, Lord God, and understand your word today. Anoint the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Going back to our discussion, our, our, our preaching, Ten Commandments, perfect law and perfect love. You know, the, the most talked about, I believe, or debated about, or what's kind of trending nowadays is this uh, famous, famous, or popular statement. And I wonder if you can tell me who said this. Who? Digong. <laughs> President Duterte. Uh, interestingly, Mike, what was for your what, what what did you say? Ahmed. Okay, if you know Ahmed in the YouTube, you know he said this. I will kill you. Okay, but you know for 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 since we're all Filipinos, right? We're not um, any any you know almost all of us are Filipinos. I think yes, yes, I think so. So for our purposes, I will kill you came from President Duterte, and last week actually. The media caught him by saying this. He says that, Do not destroy my country because I will kill you. Do not destroy my children because I will kill you. Okay? And our president is really dead serious about restoring the peace and order of our country. And hats off to him. That's what you know, probably is happening. In fact, uh, we were surprised to find out in the news that over 300 drug addicts came to the precinct to surrender because they were so afraid for their lives. Okay, so there's something about that statement that I will kill you. So that kind of brought out the, the, you know, these people to go to the, the authorities. And you talk about President Duterte, okay, he's lobbying for this uh, death penalty. You all know death penalty, right? Uh, capital punishment. Nowadays, in our uh, revised penal code, I guess our, our capital punishment is reclusion perpetua, which is life imprisonment. Now, he wants to bring in a death penalty. Okay? In fact, this is what he said. Death penalty to me is the retribution. It makes you pay for what you did. In other words, it's like, uh, you know, I want to serve justice. That's what it's saying. And what's interesting about this, in that same article last uh, few days ago, in fact, in, uh, when we were discussing about this message, uh, the Philippine Star came at our door. And then, you know, I, I, we, were, we were surprised. It's dated uh, June 23, last Thursday. And the headline goes this. Thou, can you read that with me? Thou shalt not kill is absolute. Who said it? The Pope. Wow. Let me, read, let me read the article. It says here, Pope Francis is amplifying his opposition to capital punishment, saying it's an offense to life, contradicts God's plan, and serves no purpose for punishment. In a video message to an anti-death penalty congress in Norway, Pope Francis declared the commandment, Thou shalt not kill, has absolute value and applies both to the innocent and to the guilty. So um, there are two schools of thoughts. One says, uh, kill. The other one says, thou shalt not kill. The other one comes from the government. The other one comes from the church. 
So how do we how do we sift our way through this as Christians? How do we how do we survive this? One says kill, the other one says thou shalt not kill. Now remember, in Bible times, okay, in Bible times there were killings made, right? Some from evil men and some also from God himself. In other words, there were there were sanctions by God that killing was okay. Kind of like this. Um, one, one could remember Noah's Ark, right? We all love this story, right? The, we have all our kids love this play, make a play. We have all the different animals and all of that. But they do not tell the whole story that God destroyed, annihilated, killed, murdered all the people on earth. And just imagine that. I mean, think about that. Here we are looking at a, a person that tells, you know, kill and the church saying, do not kill. So where do we put ourselves? How can we understand this one? You also remember the time of um, Sodom and Gomorrah, right? What happened? That, that place was so sinful that God had to judge it. How about Exodus? Remember Egypt? Remember the last plague? I think that uh, was the Passover. They said, you know, the firstborn of the Egyptians. Remember that? I mean, how can God take the lives of these kids? Doesn't really compute. In First Chronicles chapter 14, verse 16, and this is what happened. And David did as God commanded him, and they struck down the Philistine army from Gibeon to Gezer. Now here's, here's kind of, this is where the tension lies. If God allowed killings, where, why then did He command us not to kill? Can't understand it. So you're saying if, if the commandment of God says, Thou shalt not kill, then that means um, I'll just remain a pacifist. I'll just, I just won't kill. So if I, you know, if I had a, 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 um, an intrusion in my house and my whole family's lives are at stake, I will just say, uh, I will not kill. You do all the crimes you want to do, and I will not kill. Is that what the, the Bible is saying? Is that what the commandment of God is saying? Here's the thing. The confusion lies in this transliteration. In other words, the translation of this Hebrew word. Okay, the Hebrew word for murder used in the sixth commandment is called rasa. Rasa. Now, the Old Testament, although the Israelites did not have a term that is precisely or that precisely fits murder okay it was uh, it was differentiated among killing manslaughter and murder as their legal terminology so it wasn't clear it's ambiguous okay so this is where now we have the, the, the sort of a problem okay it's in the king james version we've read it it says thou shalt not kill in fact i grew up understanding the 10 commandments says thou shalt not kill in their, in their day and age, when King James Version was, or was made, when it was translated to English Version, that was the idea that killing was murder. But a more accurate translation of that is today in our ESV, and it says murder. So you're talking about killing now versus murder. There's a big difference between killing and murder. Okay, let me show you. It says that murder really is an intentional and violent taking of someone's life. There is a premeditated 
you know, it's a premeditated killing, meaning you've planned this evil, you've planned this crime. It's intentional and it was violent. In killing, well, it may not necessarily be as intentional. There's what we call accidental killing. Okay? So, I know there's a question now in your mind. So, Pastor, what do you think about the capital punishment? Is that killing, murder, or during wartime? What's the difference? Okay, now this commandment, according to the New Spirit-Filled Life Bible, this is a commentary, it says here, this commandment, or the sixth commandment, is not speaking of accidental killing, wartime killing, or capital punishment. The latter two being essential, God-ordained sanctions of government in administering a fallen world. This commandment is aimed at the sanctity of human life in the eyes of God. So in other words, it's not. It's not murder. Wartime is not murder. Although there are crimes in war. Okay, that's why we have what we call the rules of engagement. We have the Geneva Convention. You all remember this, right? And you see, it had to make sanctions on other you know, abuses of power during wartime. But here, in, in, when you talk about capital punishment, even in the Old Testament days, capital punishment was really enforced. Okay? Why do we know this? In, New, in the New Testament, all right, in Romans chapter 13, verse 1 to 2, it's a bit lengthy, but you need to understand this because this is why the government has the authority. It says there, let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist has been what? Instituted by God. So He is the ultimate authority. Therefore, whoever resists authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will what? Incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have to fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive what? Approval. Do what is good. Next verse, in verse 4. For he is God's servant for your good. Everybody say, for your good. Yes, the government is for your good. Even if you think, nakakatakot ng government natin. Okay? It's good. If you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is a servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. So I know you're saying right now, okay, pastor, that's great, but what if they abuse their power? Right? What if our current president would abuse his power? Pray not. Okay, that's, what, that's why we need, to, we need to pray for him. We need to pray for this government. But you need to understand that God is the ultimate authority. Any authority here on earth is just a borrowed authority. Okay? It was loaned to us. So if you are a political leader, if you are a government leader, if you are the president of the Philippines, well, you have to bear a particular responsibility in operating, in managing, in leading, in making decisions for our country in such a way that is honoring and pleasing to God. It has to be pleasing to God. It has to align in the Word of God. So the only way we can see that 
this government will function well if it honors God and if it honors the Word of God. Anything beyond this is already a grave injustice. And guess what? God will be just. Even if you don't see it today, God is a just God. But imagine this. Imagine this. What if we don't have police officers? What if we don't have our courts, our regional trial courts, our appellate courts, our supreme court? What if we don't have judges? What if we don't have anybody in the government? Can we actually live in harmony together? Maybe in heaven. <laughs> but definitely not here. It's going to be chaotic. I say, for our purpose, okay? For our purpose, this, this preaching is about you shall not murder and it's not about just killing. Understood? We're clear? Okay. So, why not murder? Why did God say do not murder? Well, first of all, because God is the author of life. He is the author of life. He created you and me. That's, that's why, you know, God has full authority over human life. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Do you realize? God formed us, and then at the end, He breathed life into us, becoming a living creature. Think about that. We were formed with what? Dust. God formed it from what He created. But there's something He gave us that was not created. It was with Him, the breath of life. That is what we have in God. It's amazing. It's really amazing. That's why if He is the author of life, only He has the right to terminate our life. We don't have any authority in terminating our life. As His creatures, we do not have every single right, any, not even one, to terminate even our own life. We can't. Because it is His. We are His. You know, a few months ago, we had a challenge. In fact, we have a challenge even now. We were looking for a house help. Okay, um, if you have three kids growing up, doing a lot of things, you need help. So finally, I was desperate. I asked somebody to, you know, sort of like a recruiter to get me a, uh, a house help. And after many, many interviews, I finally got one. She, she was actually okay. She was very, pretty much into the household chores. Very good, actually, at it. However, there's one thing that we were noticing. She was like kind of drinking this herbal tea. All this time, you know, herbal tea, herbal tea. Finally, one, one night, we discovered her at the back of our house, laying on, you know, flat on the floor, all bloodied up, and we realized that she just aborted her baby at the back of our house. I mean, think about that. I was shocked. I, was, I, I didn't know how to react. But the feeling of a life being, you know, destroyed. All this time, she was never honest with us. And I just asked her, where did, where did you put your baby? She said, itinapong ko po. Binalot ko sa plastic, itinapong ko sa basura, kinuha na ng basurero. 
You know, it's just, it, 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 it dawned on me how God feels. I mean, the, 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 the baby, the unborn child is not my child. But yet, just the, 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 the feeling, the thought of losing that child was, you know, we, we grieved that night, actually, my wife and I, we were crying. And how can, how can one person do that? You know, she's one of the many stories of, of people today. Um, especially here in the Philippines. You might be shocked, actually. Um, there's a report from Guttmacher Institute and the University of the Philippines Population Institute. In 2010, here in the Philippines, on record, we had about 590,000 abortions in 2010. Uh, if you look at Mama Sapano massacre, our SAF, massacre talk about the drug addicts being killed you know there are about 60 summary killings after ec- election till now i mean it does not even compare 590,000 in that year are human beings killed and it really pains my heart you know and pains the heart of, if it pains my heart it pains the heart of god in metro manila out of 1000 women just here in metro manila out of 1000 women 52 of them have already done abortion. And this is just the recorded ones. You know, there's a scripture in Psalm 139, verse 13. It says, For you formed my inward parts. Do you realize that whether it's a fetus or an embryo, whatever, how many weeks your baby may be, it is already formed by God. It is, has been formed already. When the sperm cell touches the egg, there is already conception. And you're dealing with a life. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. It's really a um, sobering thing to really feel this, but it's reality that we face here in the Philippines. So why not murder? Well, because God created man in his image and in his likeness. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds, over the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. You know, if it's just about the theory of evolution, you all know the theory of evolution, then we are just uh, some uh, lucky, you know, super animal that developed from... uh, (laughs) amoeba, and uh, we grew up to be here. But realize that God made us in His image and in His likeness. You know what that means? He has, um, because you have eyes, He sees. Because you have mouth, He can speak. Because we have arms, legs, we have, we have this body, God has it too. Do you realize that, you know, we were made higher than the animals because we do have our spirit. We have our body, our spirit. We also have our soul, which is consisted of our mind, our will, and our emotions. That's what we have so different from the animals. We were created in His image and in His likeness. So when you say you, you want to murder a person, that means you're saying that you want to do violence against that 
that's tip, that person, you, what you're saying is that I am also doing violence ag- against God Himself. So when people are murdered, think about that. When people are murdered, they're murdering not just the person, but the Creator, God Himself. In other words, you are waging war with our God. That is what's happening when you murder. So why not murder? Well, because God values the sanctity of life. Last June 12, I don't know if you've seen it, you've heard it, you've read it, but June 12, in Orlando, Florida, a gunman came in, killed 49 people, injured 53. And this is what the article says. It says that it was both the deadliest mass shooting by a single gunman and the deadliest incidents of violence against LGBT people in U.S. history. You know, since we are made in the image and likeness of God, when you look at the LGBT community, they also bear the particular dignity, value, and worth. They are to be treated with love, with value, equality, justice, and respect. They also have that. Why? Because every human life is precious. In the eyes of God, every human life is precious. In fact, life itself is a gift from God. So when you see LGBT, when you look at how they live their lives, don't see their sexual preference, but see the sanctity of life in them. Amen. Genesis chapter 9. Verse 6 says, Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. Because God values life, he will not leave sin unpunished. Our God is a God of justice. He is a just God. That's what he says. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. If you look at Leviticus, the Old Testament, there's also a provision that says an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. So whatever you, you take away from that person is to what you also pay. It's commensurate to what you do to a person. And that's the justice of God. He will ask for it. That's why the death penalty, yes, it's in the Bible. I'm, I didn't say it. I didn't, I didn't fabricate it. It's in the Bible. But we need to give our authorities the authority to establish that capital punishment, not us. Amen. That's not our job. But it is their job. Whether it's, it's life imprisonment or death penalty, whatever it is, it's their job. It's the authority that God has given them. Interestingly, in, all, in Exodus chapter 21, verse 12, it says, Whoever strikes a man so that he dies shall be put to death. That is God's law god's punishment you know what they say that the bloodiest century was the 20th century when you look at all the murders made in the 20th century between adolf hitler stalin lenin mao mao chetong who else paul pot all these ruthless tyrants it's a total of over 175 million deaths recorded. Today, it still increases. 
Do you know that by the time a person graduates from high school, he has already witnessed between the movies, the TV, and the gaming? He has about, he's witnessed about 80,000 murders already. In fact, today we live in a desensitized culture of murder. We live in that. In fact, when, when we hear it from the news, it seems like it does not affect us. I mean, matay, okay. We're not, we are not angered by the fact that these things are still happening in our day and age. And here's the thing. You might say that because I am not Hitler, I'm not a dictator, I'm not a tyrant, you might just say that, ah, I'm not a murderer. Buti na lang, I'm a Christian. Buti lang, I can sit here. You might say that today. But let me, let me present to you a case, and I hope you will still love me for it. But this is what my case is. You are capable of murder. Tahimika. That means you, me, you and I, we are capable of murder. If you trace back the history of murder, and look at the first murder, okay, in the history of mankind. You all know who, what was the first murder? You all know this. Cain and Abel. We are told that Cain rose up against Abel. We all know this, right? But we are not told of his intention to kill. You need to understand that during Cain and Abel's time, murder or killings was unheard of. Nobody died during that time. Think about that. Cain didn't know how to kill. He didn't have a gun. He didn't have a knife. He didn't understand that, you know, there is a possibility that he can kill. That there is a possibility that he can murder. Think about it. Cain... Cain's problem was not the act of killing. His problem, the Bible says, that he became very angry. He was very angry because the offering that he was giving was not enough. Abel's offering to God was pleasing, but his is not. So he became very angry. And Cain beat Abel in anger. He was so angry with his brother, he beat him to death. And finally, he's dead. And finally, he was looking at the corpse and was saying, Cain, uh, Abel, get up, get up. No idea that he already murdered his brother. Question, have you ever been angry? Yes, all of us. You see, you can sit down there, I can stay here, and I, all of us will all agree that we will not murder. Okay? We can, in fact, refrain from murdering. That's fine. But you already are guilty of murder. You could be guilty of murder in this, in your heart. It's already here. And the judgment is more than just the death penalty. Judgment is more than death penalty. In fact, 
Jesus. We'll always look at the internal, never the external. God will always look at the heart. And look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment, right? So he agrees with the Old Testament. He agrees with the Sixth Commandment. But this is what he says in verse 22. But I say to you that everyone who is what? Can you shout it out? Angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Not only that, whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council and whoever says, you fool. You know, do you, you realize when, when somebody says in the Old Testament, you fool, it means that, you know, mabuti lang di ka nabuhay sa mundong ito. Kind of like that in Tagalog. It's better off you were dead. That's what it meant. And whoever says, you fool, will be what? Liable to the hell of fire. Now, Jesus was not just talking about death penalty. No, He wasn't. There's no act of, you know, evil doing, no. But He says that your judgment will be in the hell of fire. He was talking about an eternal death. If you hate it, if you, were, if you are angry with your brother, guess what? You're, you're going to go, you're going to be sentenced to, the, to hell. That's what he was saying. So what Jesus is saying is that murder is just the tip of the iceberg. The underlying reason behind murder is more than just murder. It's really a spiritual issue. In fact, that is our spiritual state. That's what he's saying. Our spiritual issue is this. It's called sin. That's our state. Why do I know this? James chapter 4, verse 1. He says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this that your passions are at war within you? Because life is all about me. Life is about myself. Life is about me again. <laughs> Isn't it? Deep down in the hearts of men, it's about me. And in fact, the Apostle Paul says that we will be battling with our flesh every single day. There is a tug of war that's happening. Paul says, okay, he says that, you know, I want to do what I don't want to do. The things that I want to do, I don't do. I don't know if you understood it, but that's what he was saying. He doesn't want to do sin, but his flesh wants him to do it. And the things that he wants to do, he does not do it. Kind of like an oxymoron, right? Parang you don't understand what's, where he's going. going. Anyway, James chapter 4, verse 2 says, You desire and do not have so, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have, why? Because you do not ask. And you learn from this. We can learn from the scripture that all we need is just ask God. You don't, you don't have to look with envious heart. You know, buti pa siya. Buti pa siya, may ganyan. Ang tagal-tagal ko na nagsaserve kay Lord, wala pa rin nangyayari. You know what I'm saying? 
You see, that's the issue. But we can pray. We could ask God. Amen. First John chapter 3, verse 15. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has what? Eternal life abiding in him. If you, if you are hearing this, you need to get out of that situation. If there are certain things that is still hateful in your hearts, we need to get out of this. Because there is no eternal life. It's, the, it's, the, it's hell for us if we don't. So, again, again, we are capable of murder. We are capable of murder. Do you agree? Proverbs 37 verse 8, Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. And there's a, a someone said this, Anger is an acid that can do more harm to the vessel in which it is stored than on the person on which it is poured. You know, there's a, there's a story that um, I heard this a few days ago, and this is uh, on a classified ads, and it says, expensive wedding dress for sale, worth 80,000 pesos, never had been worn, willing to trade with a 38 caliber pistol. It'll sink in later on. Let's just, you know, it's supposed to be a joke, okay? So, yeah. But you see, if you look at anger, the victim is not the one who offended you. It's actually you. You don't want to be that. But question, is there such a thing called righteous anger? Is there such a thing? And the answer is yes. It's called righteous indignation. We all know that Jesus also got angry, right? You know, he got so mad in John chapter 2, verse 15. In fact, he made a whip, it says, and making a whip of cords, he drove them out of the temple with the sheep and oxen, and he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. Now, Jesus' anger was never about him being insulted by people. His anger was not about, you know, being maltreated, offended. No. It was not about himself. He was angry at the fact that these Jews who are in the temple are making it hard for people to enter and worship God. He was so mad, angry about the injustice of people or the injustice made to people. It was never about me, myself, and I. The big difference when you say you could be angry, indignant about it, you have a righteous anger like probably President Duterte says that I will kill you if you kill my children, if you destroy my children. It's a righteous indignation. You need to understand that there are men and women out there who are fighting for justice. They hate it with passion. I hate it for, with passion. We all hate that with passion. It's about those abuses. John Stott, okay, um, when we were in our School of World Missions, we studied his book, John Stott. It was the hardest book we've ever read. But there's something we can get out from him. He said, there's room for a Christian to have righteous anger. Be angry with evil, not tolerant about it. Be angry with sin, 
not indifferent with it. Okay? You have to put it into right perspective. While this is true, okay, having this righteous anger, we cannot just have the license just to vent out and get angry. Okay lang. It's okay for me to get angry. Don't misunderstand the scripture. Okay? Jesus got angry for the injustice of people. You're angry because you're, somebody cut you in, in the front of the car, right? Sabi nga nila eh, di ba, busina ka ng busina? Di ba? Kung busina daw, nakakamatay, ang dami mo na napatay, sabi nila. And that's true, you know? I mean, if, if, if blowing the horn can kill people, we've already murdered a lot of people today. So again, we are capable of being murderers, right? We are. James Chapter 1, verse 90 to 20 says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Remember, when we get angry, especially to the closest of our family, which is lagi naman, di ba? How many kids will say amen? Yeah. Dad, why are you so angry? You know, my... My daughter, you know, say, say sorry to me. Why? Because you were, you were angry at me. No, I just raised up my voice. I said, Dad, you were angry. I can see it. So I had to apologize. Yeah, it does not bring out the righteousness of God. If we call ourselves a Christian, then, you know, it ought to be seen in us, right? Especially in traffic. Okay? I'm guilty, guys. I'm guilty. Okay? I'm guilty. So, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 to 27. Guys, this is it. You can be angry. Be angry. And do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Okay? Um, you know, Dr. David, David Jeremiah, he, in, his, in, his, uh, in his book, Slaying the Giants, and one of it was Slaying the Giants of Anger, he said this, Okay, you might, you might want to take note of this. Okay, if you have anger issues, if you love playing angry birds, all right, okay, he said, don't nurse your anger. You know, don't nurse it. Secondly, he says, don't rehearse your anger. Sometimes you're rehearsing it already. How am I going to get back at this person? You know, kukuni ko siya sa book, sasabunutan ko siya, tapos ilululub ko siya sa ano, sa pool. Yan. You know what I'm saying? Parang ganun, di ba? Galit na galit ka talaga. Kung pwede ka magalit, gagalit talaga nun. So, don't rehearse your anger. And he says, don't converse your anger. Don't vent it out, you know? Don't put it in, in social media. Di ba? Daming ganun eh. Don't vent it out there. And he says, don't disperse your anger. Kahit na alam mo, galit na galit ka na. Don't. And lastly, it's quite interesting. He says, reverse your anger. Wow. Reverse your anger. Everybody say, reverse. reverse. Romans chapter 12, verse 20 says, To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, what does it say? Feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something too. Okay. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. It's like pouring down water, you know, in a heap of, you know, burning coals. 
Again, our issue really is sin, isn't it? Can you, can you feel it? Can you see yourself? I see myself. Okay. Colossians. That's why we need to put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, and there you have it. Passion. Evil desires and covetousness, which is what? Idolatry. You know, our problem really is idolatry because it's me, myself, and I. The reason why we're angry, we're offended, we hate people is because it's about me, myself, and I. And it's called idolatry. Amen? It's called idolatry. So question is, before we end, what do we do, what do, we do now? Now, Jesus gives us a major recommendation in His Scripture. It says in verse 23 to 24, So if you are offering your gift at the altar, if you're coming here on a Sunday service and you're offering a gift to God, you're lifting up your hand, you're worshiping God. What did He say? He says, And then you remember that your brother has something against you or your sister. It says, Leave your gift there before the altar and go. What? First be reconciled to your brother or your sister or your uncle or your father or your mother or your friend and then come and offer your gift. You come in the presence of God, you worship God, you lift up your hands, praise God. But if someone is offended by you, by all means, go to that person and be reconciled. Reconciliation. So what does that mean? Hey, be reconciled. It's so simple, right? But it's hard. How many of you know that this is hard? Thank you for being honest. Reconciliation means to restore friendly relations. Because what was broken is that relationship. And what's interesting, if you look at the Old Testament, God gave a provision in the Old Testament. It's just, it did happen just in the New Testament. It went, I mean, it was already there here. In Leviticus 19.17, you shall not hate your brother in your what? Heart. But you shall reason frankly with your neighbor lest you incur sin because of him. And then it continues. It says, you shall not take vengeance. How many of you like to take vengeance on the person that, you know, destroyed you? Okay. Or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people. But then he goes on saying, this is God. In the Old Testament, it says, but you shall love. What? Can you say that to me? Love. Love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. In the most unnatural way. Because in the natural way, you'd probably say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to murder this guy. I'm going to kill this guy. He offended me. He's going to, you know, he's going to see Manny Pacquiao. But that's, that's the natural way of things. The unnatural way of things is going the reverse. Don't take vengeance. Don't hold a grudge. Don't get even, but instead, love your neighbor as yourself. But the New Testament, in Jesus' time, boy, I tell you, if that's just like love your neighbor as yourself, I probably can do that. But there's something more. I mean, Jesus takes it even further. I mean, it's just amazing. Look at this. 1 John chapter 3, 16, By this we know love, that He what? Laid down His life for us. And what does it say? And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Whoa. 
That's hard to imagine. How can I love a person and then lay down my life for him? Especially if this person destroyed me. Right? It's hard to imagine to love the unlovable, especially if they mistreated you, they've offended you, they've destroyed you. But the only way out is the reverse. Everybody say reverse. There's no way out. There's only going there or going here. Opposite direction. We have a choice. And the only way out is in this word called love. Everybody say love. Yeah. Love makes the whole world go round. You've got songs with love and love. It's funny how human beings have you know, composed songs about love. But it's about love. The only way for us to give this love to our enemies is for us to truly experience what love is. See, the, the, the hardest thing, the hardest thing to, to love a, your enemy and lay down your life, that's hard for us because we have not truly experienced the love of God for us. You know why we have a hard time forgiving people? We have a hard time, you know, getting back that relationship, being reconciled. It's because you really have not understood the magnitude, the strength, the greatness, the height, the depth, how wide, how deep is the love of Christ for us. And I have not discovered it yet also. Not fully. I'm not there yet. God is still working in my heart. I'm not yet like Christ. But God is moving here. Romans 5, 6 says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Verse 7 says, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God showed His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still Christ died for us. And I want to share this. Murder is regarded as one of the most serious sin, but not an unpardonable sin. Amen. God forgives. The Apostle Paul on his road to Damascus. Paul, Saul way back then, his name was Saul. He was a persecutor of Christians. He was legalistic, self-righteous, he murdered a lot of Christians. But yet on his road to Damascus, he had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ in a bright light. And you see, that's that kind of encounter I think we all need. The encounter with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Maybe you're a Christian today. You've encountered him, great. But understanding the magnitude of his love for us, that is still you know, something we have to discover altogether. You know what Paul had, had received from Jesus? It's this, a love that forgives, a love that restores, a love with a purpose. He restores back Paul, Saul, made him Paul, and because of that, God actually used him to serve the Gentiles. We will not be here if not for the Apostle Paul. Because he preached the gospel to the Gentiles, not to the Jews, but to us, the Gentiles. And my last point, if there's anything you want to take home today, it's just this. Very simple. Murder 
is an issue of the heart, but only Christ's love can turn it around. Let's bow down our heads and pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord God, that more than anything else, it's never the act of murder, never the act of killing, but, but it is in the heart of man. Lord, you know our hearts, you know where we are. But yet, Lord God, we are not totally surrendered to you. Now, if that's you today, and you know that you have not fully surrendered your heart to him, you could be born again today, you could know Christ today, you may have confessed him as Lord and Savior, but your heart is not 100% yet to God. I want you just to close your eyes, bow down your heads. I want you to lift up your hands and say, God, that's me. I have not fully given my heart to you. There are still issues, anger issues, hate issues in my life. That's okay, just lift it up. There's no shame in coming in the presence of God. Just lift it up before God. Say, God, that's me. Lord, in my own strength, I cannot. Lord, you gave the Ten Commandments, Lord God, to expose sin. And we know fully well that we cannot, in our own strength, obey all the Ten Commandments. Lord, it is hard not to murder because in our hearts sometimes we do murder. Lord, we ask God that you forgive us from our unrighteousness. Lord, for whatever things that I have put in my heart, all those unholy things in my heart, the anger in my heart, Lord, would you please take it out in the name of Jesus? Whatever it is, Lord God, today we, we surrender our hearts to you, Lord God. Lord, this is not by our own strength, Lord God, but by your power. Holy Spirit, come and take over. Lord, thank you, God, that there is no sin that you cannot pardon. So, Lord, today, forgive us of the sin of murder. Lord, today, thank you that your spirit of love is with us. Lord, fashion us in your image and likeness once again. Thank you, Lord God, that you are here. Lord, would you bless every person who's here right now? Would you hold your heart? Say, God, from this day on, create in me a pure heart. Change my heart, Lord God, that it may bring glory and honor to you. In Jesus' name we pray.